0: There's a famous Christmas song titled, I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas. The chorus of this song goes, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. With every Christmas card I write, may your days be merry and bright, and may all your Christmases be white. It is a dream of many to experience a white Christmas. We all have seen the beautiful pictures of a blanket of white covering everything. That is how many would describe a perfect Christmas. Imagining yourself sitting in your home in front of a fire in the fireplace as you sip hot chocolate with marshmallows, surrounded by your close family. Christmas music is playing as background music. And as you look outside your window, you see snow falling, covering the trees and your lawn. It is peaceful and tranquil. It is the perfect Christmas. Many have asked me, is this how it was like in your home growing up in Texas? I would say no way. First of all, growing up in Texas, it was too far south in the U.S. to get snow on Christmas. Although as luck would have it, when I moved here to the Philippines, it snowed in Dallas for the first time in more than 100 years when between 10 to 15 centimeters or 4 to 6 inches of snow fell on Christmas of 2012. But I wasn't around. Being an Asian family... We didn't use our fireplace because my parents thought it was a waste of money, and it was the smell of Chinese herbal medicine tea that wafted through our home, not that of hot chocolate. Oh well, I personally still dream about a white Christmas, but the only way I can experience this white Christmas in tropical Philippines is to open our refrigerator freezer and let the cold air blow into my face as I look at the ice tray and say... Merry Christmas to myself. I think this song was written because everyone wants to have the perfect Christmas. We want to control everything to ensure that the perfect Christmas is experienced, to have the perfect family gathering, the perfect gift giving experience, the perfect Christmas party, the perfect year end family trip. And yet, just like the weather, we can't control anything. Invariably, someone gets sick, planes are delayed. There is ongoing family drama. The caterer is two hours delayed with the food. The oven or microwave breaks. The food we want isn't available. Someone suddenly doesn't show up to complete the family. Luggage is lost. The hotel double booked and canceled our reservations. The electricity goes out. And we didn't get the big year-end bonus we thought we would get and had already budgeted for. In many ways... The first Christmas, more than 2,000 years ago, was like that. It seemed that everything was spiraling out of control. It was chaotic. People were busy and traveling, and some were just overwhelmed. It was far from the perfect, tranquil first Christmas we so imagine. But as we take a look at the first seven verses of chapter 2 of Luke, it is in the midst of the chaos, cold, uncertainty, and frustrations that we realize that God is in control. And he's orchestrating everything so that his son, Jesus Christ, would be born in Bethlehem in fulfillment of prophecy as he so perfectly planned. I read now verses 1 to 3 of Luke chapter 2. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. And all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. The Bible tells us that during the time of the first Christmas, there was a law that came all the way from far off Imperial Rome, more than 2,300 kilometers as the crow flies from Jerusalem, that a census be taken. The counting of the people throughout the far reaches of the Roman Empire was for only one purpose, taxing the people. Imagine how that would have made the oppressed and subjugated people feel angry and distressed because no one wants to have to pay more taxes. But there was nothing they could do about it. This law would add to the already rich treasury of a government that was far away, corrupt, and gave the people few rights. Rome ruled with such an iron fist that they were able to enforce the law that everyone returned to their own hometown to be counted so that they could pay more taxes. Imagine if the Philippines passed a law that said all Filipinos living in the U.S., Canada, and in all the Middle East had to fly back to the Philippines this December at their own expense and travel to their hometowns so they could be counted in order for them to pay more taxes. How many of our Kababayans or countrymen would do it? I think most would simply ignore the law or protest vehemently. And yet, such was the power and dominance of the Roman Empire that people all across the Roman world obeyed. Some may wonder why God didn't seem to be helping His own people. We often wonder the same thing of our lives. Where is God when we need Him? Why would God allow such a law by the evil pagan Romans? And yet, in verse 3, you see the hand of God at work in that little phrase, Everyone to his own city. If Mary and Joseph headed their way, Jesus would have been born in Nazareth where they lived. And yet, more than hundreds of years before his birth, the prophet Micah in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, had prophesied that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. But imagine God orchestrated a worldwide census for tax purposes in order to get Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem to fulfill. What many people would call an obscure prophecy, only mentioned one time in the entire Bible, in the Old Testament, about the location of Jesus' birth. And yet God needed them in Bethlehem. So that is what he did. He could have simply told Mary to go to Bethlehem. But as you see in the birth story, God wanted to reveal that he is, number one, perfectly in control over life events. God is perfectly in control over life events. My friends, God uses the events of history and even in our own lives to direct things in accordance with His will. I'm sure that when Joseph and Mary heard about this new law, they weren't too happy about it. What a hassle and inconvenience just when Mary was about to give birth. What they didn't know was that God was orchestrating all of this to show forth His sovereignty over all of life's events. My friends, nothing happens on earth and to us that He does not allow. Nothing and no one can thwart God's plans and purposes. God can redeem our past mistakes and sins to allow for His best to happen. What a humbling thought, but a great encouragement to know that God is in control over life events. So even when we don't understand what He's doing, we can just learn. To trust him. If God has the power to allow a ruler sitting 2,300 kilometers away to make a law with the intentions of earning more money, while the ultimate purpose was to get Mary and Joseph to walk about 115 kilometers from Nazareth to Bethlehem, think about what God can do and is doing in your life. We don't know why he used this method, but because he is sovereign. We don't have to understand. We are assured that he knows what he's doing. You see, we trust not in a desired outcome, but our trust, our faith is in a person, our Lord. I read now verses four to six. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. These verses tell us that Joseph and Mary did what was mandated by law and traveled to Bethlehem. I've often wondered, why was Joseph so irresponsible that he didn't plan ahead and arrive in Bethlehem earlier? Who in their right minds travels with a woman who was about to give birth and times it that they arrive perhaps the very day that Mary gave birth. The timing seemed all wrong. But a careful reading of these verses doesn't seem to tell us exactly how far in advance they got there. Perhaps they arrived a few days before, but by virtue of Bethlehem being a small town, there were few inns in the entire place. In verse 6, look at that phrase, the days were completed. What is being stressed that is important here is that Mary gave birth when it was God's time for Jesus to be born. Not earlier, not later, just at the right time. You see, God wasn't panicking that Mary and Joseph walked perhaps too slow or didn't start the journey early enough. In God's perfect timing, Jesus came into the world when he was born. That's why Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 also tells us, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son. You see, my friends, in that first Christmas, God wanted to demonstrate that number two, he is beautifully directing the timing of life events. God is beautifully directing the timing of life events. Is there ever a wrong time when a baby is naturally born? No, the baby comes when the baby comes. You know, all three of my children were born naturally, so we didn't know when they would come. With the bags prepared anytime we had to rush to the hospital. It was a stressful time during those days because that was when the church was much smaller, the staff was few, and I didn't have a backup to preach for me in an emergency. My only prayer was, Lord, please don't let my children be born during a Sunday because I would have to choose between being there for the birth of my son or daughter or preaching on a Sunday morning. Thankfully, Andrew and Janelle were born on a Friday, and Nathan on a Saturday. That was a close one. I remember the story of a woman on a sub-Pacific flight from Dubai to Manila in August of 2016 that gave birth two months early on board the plane. As a gift, Said Pak gave that child one million miles. One million miles. Apparently, there are airlines around the world that would gift that child born on a flight with a lifetime supply of flights or miles. If I had known, I would have had Cindy fly around the world in Singapore Airlines on the last two months of her pregnancy with the chance that she would deliver on seeing air. I told Cindy about this plan I had for our proposed fourth child, and she gave me that look that said, you better shut up now. But in God's perfect timing, our children were born in a hospital and not on a plane. You know, if God is sovereign and in control of the timing of life's events, then the timing of certain events is as it should be. In the timing of God, things don't happen too early, and things don't happen too late. They just happen in His perfect timing. We often complain that if only we were there five minutes earlier or ten minutes later, this and that would have happened. We wonder what could have been. But remember... God is in control. His timing is always perfect. In God's timing, things will resolve itself. Isaiah 60, verse 22, At the right time, I, the Lord, will make it happen. By the way, for all the people who come late to church service, it is not God's will that you are late. I'm just saying that would be the wrong application to this principle this truth that god is beautifully directing the timing of life events should encourage and assure us we can learn to wait we don't have to rush everything will happen in god's perfect time while we may be in a hurry god isn't in a hurry remember my friends god's love is the foundation of the decisions of his timing you see this most evidently at christmas God prepared a savior for us, his own son, because he loved us while we were still sinners. He provided a savior in his perfect time for each one of us. Look with me at verse 7. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. The Bible tells us Mary gave birth to Jesus and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and put him in a feeding trough for animals. Why was there no room in the inn? We simply don't know. Maybe because many had traveled to Bethlehem to register for the census. Maybe because there were only a few inns in all of Bethlehem and all were taken before Joseph arrived. You know, I've often wondered why God seemingly missed this little detail of providing for a room for His Son's incarnation, His birth. I mean, after all that God has prepared for, in preparation for the birth of His Son, the Savior of the world, could He not have prepared a more fitting place for the Christ child to be born? But I think we perhaps have had the wrong emphasis in the full inn. We focus on the fact that there was no more room in the inn, But we don't see that from another perspective, God prepared a kind innkeeper to offer up his animal stable. I know the picture in our mind is one of Mary, Joseph, the baby Jesus, in a room full of animals with horses, some sheep, chicken, and whatever animals are usually in a stable, because that is what we see on printed and video media. But that is simply not in the text. Could it be that the innkeeper, feeling concern for Mary with child, cleared his stable full of animals so that he could house this family for the night and even longer. Imagine the innkeeper sacrificed the shelter of his own animals for the Christ child to be born. If you don't believe me, look at Luke chapter 2, verse 16, where it notes that when the shepherds came, what did they see? Mary and Joseph and the baby. There is no mention of animals. Luke is very precise in his gospel. I would think that if he wanted to point out that animals were there, he would have noted it. The point I'm making is that if we were in a similar situation, we might blame God that we didn't get the room because we believe that God didn't prepare for this contingency. Then we would lose hope in him and try to control every aspect of our lives because we believe that he isn't in control. But what we don't realize is that God did prepare a place but it was just not the place we would have assumed. God used the circumstances of the situation to direct that his son would be born not in an inn room but that the Christ child would be born in a manger, a place accessible for all who would come visit that night, including the shepherds of Bethlehem. Also, God thought about every little detail like a baby crib for a son. His son had the perfect makeshift baby bassinet in the form of a manger. You see, most room inns wouldn't have a baby bassinet. Mary and Joseph didn't have a photoball Greco-traveling baby bassinet that they brought from Nazareth to Bethlehem. But with a feeding trough forming the perfect makeshift bassinet, that was where they laid the Christ child. You see, my friends, what we deem as chaotic and unsettled, God wasn't worried. He was in perfect control. Because when we let God direct and control our lives, we don't have to worry, all will be well. And this is our third principle. When we let God direct and control our lives, we don't have to worry, all will be well. Therefore, you and I can just live in the moment and not worry so much. Because if we let God direct and control our lives, we leave the worrying to Him. We can just sit back and relax, not worrying about things that are outside of our control, like whether it will snow or not, whether it will rain or not. Let me give you an example. Have you ever been at an airport immigration line or grocery checkout counter, and you are trying to pick the fastest line? As you observe, you not only assess how many people are at each line, But if the cashier or the immigration officer is quick, then you pick the line you think will flow the fastest. But the line you pick, you are not content with. Because if you're like me, while I'm in line, I'm looking at the other lines, thinking the other lines seem to be moving faster. So you debate whether you will change lines or not. And so you change lines, and you can only guess what happens. The immigration agent of the new line you move to changes shifts, or the cashier changes, or there's a problem with the sale of the person in front of you, and you see in a frustration that the other line you came from is moving faster than your new line. And if you'd only stayed at the original line, you would have been up front by now. And the person behind you in the original line, who was relaxed and playing a game on his phone, not worried about saving two to three minutes, enjoyed the process a lot more. So it is in our lives. When we try to control and manipulate the situation, we end up stressed, frustrated, worried, and feel pressured. While those who just embrace the situation they're in, lean into it, know that God is directing and controlling the things that are happening in life, they will realize that all will be well. They're able to enjoy life a lot more. So while you may be desiring the perfect Christmas experience, Remember that the first Christmas was not at all perfect. It was chaotic, unsettling, filled with fear and uncertainties. And yet, because God was in control, directing the timing and circumstances of the birth of His Son, it turned out perfectly. Because the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ, was born exactly as it was prophesied. My friends, this Christmas, will you let Jesus have control of your life? If you have not already done so and are trying to control every aspect of your life, including your own salvation, would you consider placing your trust in the Savior Jesus who came as a babe of Bethlehem to die on our behalf? He died in our place so that we wouldn't have to. He paid the price for our sins. All we have to do is place our trust in His finished work on the cross. And if you've already placed your trust in Jesus as your personal Savior, would you consider surrendering your life to Him and let Him direct and control your life events, the timing of your life events, trusting that all will be well? That means not living your life the way you want to live it, but having the courage to pray, not my will, but your will be done, because it is for your glory, Lord, and for my best. My friends, Remember these truths to make your Christmas a perfect one. Number one, God is perfectly in control over life events. Number two, God is beautifully directing the timing of life events. And number three, when we let God direct and control our lives, don't worry, all will be well. I'm not dreaming of a white Christmas, something I can't control. I'm dreaming of a Christmas where Jesus is my Lord and Savior, and I don't have to worry because all is well with Him in control of my life. Earlier this month, I was teaching in Laguna and met one of the other professors, an older gentleman, Dr. Richard Grubbs from the U.S., who was teaching the class before mine. I'd never met him before, but he seemed like a very happy man with an amazing ministry, and it seemed like God had blessed him with a very good life. He had a beautiful family, based on the picture he showed me. His grandson was playing college ball, and all seemed well. But over lunch, I asked him why his wife didn't join him. He said she just passed away a few months ago, and this would be his first Christmas without her. In fact, to help him deal with his loneliness, two of his daughters went over to his house to set up a Christmas tree and put up some Christmas decorations. He then opened up and said, Stephen... Actually, my wife battled with mental health issues for many decades. We only later found out she had a growing brain tumor that was probably causing many of her mental health issues. Because of her, I had to quit seminary early, limit my travels, curtail my speaking ministry, endure multiple surgeries for her, and it was a drain on our financial resources. When I heard his story, I said, Dr. Grubbs, I'm so sorry to hear this. But he said to me, Stephen, don't feel sorry for me. I've been teaching the Bible for decades. And the more I read it and teach it, the more I am in awe of how amazing our God is. I don't pretend to know and understand what he's doing. But God's sovereignty is an anchor in my life to help me get through all of what I've had to endure. He is too powerful that there's nothing he can't do. He is too wise to make a mistake. And he's too loving not to give us his children his best. What a perspective. And we see this in the very first Christmas. God made perfect what was not a humanly perfect situation. For God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be the savior of the world, not to live, but to die for you and me. The perfect Christmas is because the perfect gift was given. Thank